Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Hello, lovely listeners. We're back. Season three is on a roll. And today we are getting into the complexity of clarity. Yes which I think is going to be, well, who knows where it's going to go because there are so many uh, subtleties and complexities and Fee and I have been thrashing this around for, um, for a couple of days now talking about this because clarity is so essential for a brand, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not easy to come by. So when we talk about clarity or particularly when you talk about brand clarity, what do you mean by that and why, first off, is it something that, really is at the front and at the heart of everything you do Mm. and you tell people to focus on. Well, if we think about what a brand identity can do for your business, it can move you forwards. So a a really resonant, powerful, visionary brand identity will help you own your space. It will help you connect with the right people. It will help you get to where you want to be faster. Mm. Mm. So we need to know what we're aiming at, don't we? That's the first thing. Yeah. And without clarity, you can't do that. And like you say, clarity is so much more complex than we first think. Yeah. So it's the clarity about where you're headed, what your magic is, who you're working for. All of that is encompassed within this clarity. Anything else? Well, so it's what sets your business apart. So your magic. Mm who this brand needs to speak to, what impact it needs to create with them, how they need to feel about your business, what they need to see from you. It's about thinking sometimes more than others, and we'll get into this, I'm sure. Well, how are we different from what else is out there? So it's about actively looking at the competition and thinking about, well, where do I fit into this? What what is it that sets us apart? And and what edge Mm. do we bring? Yeah, great. And when we have amazing clarity and we have an incredible brand Mm. identity, it can move the business forward, like you say, and open up all of those possibilities. What's the danger of not spending enough attention on the clarity? Well, I think it really saps your mojo, doesn't it? And we do so many of these conversations. I'm trying to remember whether this is something on my academy that we've done or whether it's something that we've talked about in a previous podcast. But when you get your branding right, it gives you as an entrepreneur, this absolute sense of momentum and energy forwards. And and there's lots more in, I've got a free seminar called how to craft a brand identity that feels right. And we talk a lot in that about what getting this stuff right can do for your brand and your business. But I guess, you know, Worst case scenario, if you don't get this stuff right, perhaps you're winning business in spite of your brand or your website rather than because of it. So Mm -hmm. business just becomes 
harder. You have to convince people to do business with you rather than having a list of people queuing up waving checks about I mean that doesn't literally happen anymore does it (laughs) it did (laughs) 10 years ago it did (laughs) so yeah I think it's you know how how joyful and easy is it to do business how how much do you attract the right kind of clients how much are you allowed to lean into what you do better than anyone else how much are you attracting people that want things done the way they want it and don't really aren't really on board with what you do so Clarity, and we say this all the time, but clarity comes through at every level in your business. And it's just everything. Yeah. And I'm also thinking that if you don't get it right, if you don't invest in getting it right, whether that's time or money or whatever up front, it's going to cost you down the line, potentially going to cost you when you need to rebrand or when you need to change that market positioning because you haven't yeah. owned it properly. So they're investing in this and putting attention and energy mm. in this up front is time and energy and money saving yeah, totally. down the line. It's a bit like those cars that your kids had that you pull backwards and then they just go. Yeah, brilliant. So give us the headlines then of the things that you're paying attention to when you're looking for clarity. I should have written this down, you know. We were like, oh, we there isn't a kind of a fixed thing on this. Let's just go with it and explore things. And now I'm like, why did I not write this down? <laughs> <laughs> um, I So let's think this through. So the first thing I want to be thinking about is what is this business? What sets it apart? What makes it unique? What do they do better than anybody else? Where's their edge? Where's their magic? And as I'm hearing that, I'm using my own experience. I've got a day with a client at Beaverbrook on Wednesday. She's an interior designer. So I'll be just listening to what is it that sets her apart. Now, because she's an interior designer, I know that the thing people are buying from her is her creative Mm -hmm. aesthetic. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm looking at what other interior designers is her work like? And then in that mm-hmm. space, what gives her the edge? So I'm drilling down and down and down and down. Yeah. And we'll we'll get into some of the nuts and bolts of that later, because what occurs to me there is in order to do this work and to analyze it in the way that you do, which is why you work for clients in yeah. certain spaces, is you need to know that market, you don't you? You so do. You so do, because it's yeah. not just about kind of going well, this is an English vineyard. We talked about this and getting your branding right from the start. It's like, well, what is this Hampshire vineyard? What sets it apart from other Hampshire vineyards? So we're going right down into the micro niche and then finding the edge. And it's almost, you want to find people that you're similar to because that's when you find the real edge. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so with her, I'll be thinking about what's her creative style? What is it that sets her apart? And who is it that values that creative style? Because this is the point, right? We're trying to get the right clients. We're not just trying to get any old client. Yes. It's not just about who's got the money to pay for this. It's who wants this? Who wants a yellow utility room. Who wants Zellige tiles? But not everybody does. I find it very yeah. hard to believe, but not everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's the edge and who's going to value that edge? Yeah. 
what other headlines are you thinking about? So I'm thinking, yeah, who else Who else is in this space in the market? So not just who else is a, an interior designer in Guildford, but actually who else in the country, in the world, is doing this style of design and what sets mm. them apart? So on another tangent, Amber Interiors and Studio McGee are two designers that spring to mind. What right. is it about them that's different? Or Deval Kitchens and Plain English Kitchens. Both are beautiful shaker kitchens. Both are very cool. Both, both are very similar price range. What is it about the micro edge mm. of that? Why is Who is that person that's going to value a Deval kitchen? Who's going to want a Plain English? And what is it about them? Because mm. it's never just money. Yes, yes. But money is a factor. Totally. So you are thinking about price. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So the edge, who specifically, potentially the price point. Anything else as a headline that you're digging into? Oh, do you know what? We're going to listen back to this and I'm going to go, why did I forget this? <laughs> <laughs> Can you think of anything else that's not springing to my mind at the moment? Um. Well... I suppose coming back to just a couple of previous episodes of sort of purpose and passion. Yes. The, the, the vision, the scale, the way you want to take it, I think probably has an impact and, and the, yeah, the aspirations you have yeah. for the business for yeah. me would influence that. And on that actually, and, and this is what really prompted us to want to do this episode. It might be values. It might not. It might be mission. It might not. Yeah. So with this interior designer, it will absolutely be her creative style. I can 99% guarantee that will be the thing that we need mm. to focus in on. But I'm thinking about a brand designer I know who's in the village who has just launched a an interior design offering. And her big thing is sustainability. So it mm. is creative style, but in her case, it's equally sustainability. And this this is why I didn't write down a kind of a process for this bit mm. because it's never the same thing no. um, and it's the interplay isn't it between all of those facets to work out what has primacy some of the business owners we were talking about in terms of purpose that is front and center particularly your climate activists that mm. will be front and center of their business of what sets them apart so that's what i would focus in on mm. whereas Maybe it would be the craftsmanship. Maybe it would be the experience people get. Maybe it's the experience that comes with. So in my case, it's probably my aesthetic, but it's also my experience, my perspectives that give me the edge. So it's never one thing. And and I think very often as an entrepreneur, we know what sets us apart. Things might be a bit muddy. They might be a bit noisy, and I want to get into this a bit later. I think sometimes we have so many blanks to fill and so many boxes to tick when we're thinking about clarity that it all gets overwhelming. But mm. actually, if you go back to your instincts and you're running a business on a day-to-day -day basis and you are either pitching for work or you're quoting for work or you're, you know, you're at a market and you're listening to what people say and you'll see, you know, let's say you you sell artisan bread, you see the other bread stalls at the market and you see the kind of people that love your stuff and the people that politely take a little taste and walk away and don't spend any money. Mm. You generally know what it is that gives you the edge. 
Sometimes I wonder, I don't know if you think this, but I wonder sometimes if it's just about that permission to kind of go, well, that's enough. I don't need to know. As an artisan bread maker, I don't need to know what my mission is. I just make amazing bread. Yeah, and I think maybe it is slightly simpler in from my point of view in product-based businesses because you've got something that is slightly more detached from you as the entrepreneur mm-hmm. that is easy to put value on. And I think where I've, the entrepreneurs that I work with that find it most difficult to find their magic yeah. are the ones that are trading on a service or something that's very integral to them and they can't see what it is that they bring because either it's so easy for them that it's completely below their radar yeah. or they haven't, and potentially because it's so easy, they haven't owned it enough to give it enough worth. Yes. And they, they, they yeah. haven't sort of given themselves that permission to put it front and center and go, no, this is, this is. I think it. they're just not aware of it. We have this conversation constantly, don't we? Because mm. yeah, you're constantly saying to me, no, the vision piece is really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we can just, you know, we can have a conversation with a client and they can talk about all their stuff and then ta-da, the vision appears. And I'm like, that's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> I think it goes back to that thing, doesn't it, of, you know, whether this is the same for everyone, I don't know. But when you're at school, you're taught that the stuff that comes easily is not the stuff of value. It's the stuff yes. you have to work hard at yes. that is valuable. Yeah. So I, I wonder if that's true of everybody. Maybe, maybe. And I think some people have done that work either consciously or unconsciously and they and they are able to see it. But also I think there's a, there's a next level which we can get into, which is the hierarchy piece, the complexity. It's like, well, what do you put first and how do you work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really want to come back to that. But let's talk about your clients a bit more. Like what other examples have you got? You don't have to name them particularly, but Mm. I think there's absolutely that thing of something coming easy to you and you underestimating the value that that brings and the Mm. edge that it gives you and how hard that is. And I think we sometimes, and I'd include myself in this, is just have this assumption that, well, everyone else does that, surely. Yes. Yeah. I think there's definitely a lot of that. I think another dynamic that comes in quite frequently is they might, they might see it and I might be able to move them into a space where they can own the value of that. And that's all great. But then they're like, well, but will anybody actually pay for this? Yes. Yes. It's so common. I hear that so often. Why would people pay for this? Mm. And get into the ramifications of that in another episode, because we need to talk about pricing at some point. Yeah. that's a big piece and that gets in the way sometimes of clarity because there for me we get into the intersection of the commercial space for something yeah, yeah. whether the pricing aspects what the market will bear for something whether there is an actual market mm. and that can throw people really into a real flurry yeah. getting their head around that stuff yeah yeah okay so we've got this hierarchy of the things that you're looking at mm. What's the process that you, and maybe you'll need to walk us through a couple of examples of sifting through to work out what you lead with? And and that that is the rub, right? There isn't a linear process for this. Yes. And there yeah, isn't yeah. a one size fits all. And this was one of the things that prompted me wanting to do this session in the first place was yeah. I mid-elevate and one of the things that I'm doing at the moment is really microscopically looking at 
the process of 10 designers mm. really looking at what's working about their process what isn't what are they where are they kind of either wasting time or going off track or adding a sense of sort of muddlement and lack mm. of clarity and then what impact is that having on their vision and the, the what they're able to deliver so I've got that in my mind and I've got these nine very clear briefs and I'm looking at how are they responding to them and let's be honest the briefs that I create for Elevate are not real life because they have no red herrings in them <laughs> yeah unless yeah, yeah. you're getting a brief from me and I've taken out all the red herrings a client brief will always have yeah. sort of meanderings in it and it will always mix yes. personal taste with what's right for the business so I've stripped all of that out. So it's a really good opportunity for me to strip that process bare and think, right, what's working and what's not. And within Elevate, I'm getting to see things that are getting in the way of delivering excellence, which is exciting and also an opportunity to learn, I think. Mm. And then I've I've just done a workshop, the Colour Psychology Winter Workshop, which was amazing. And again, had a conversation with someone who'd spent quite a lot of money on a brand identity that it was just over here. It was right. parallel to the magic. Right. And how did you know? Well, should we get into that now? Yeah. yeah let's do let's it. go for it. Okay. So we're going off track, but we'll just go with it. <laughs> so there were a few red flags and this lady, her business is, uh, or her husband's business is cookies. Right. So this this lady had come to the Colour Psychology Workshop and in the afternoon we work on mood boards. So she was working on a mood board for her husband's business. And I suppose the first red flag was that there was a sense of uncertainty about the direction. Mm-hmm. But she had these amazing pictures of these cookies which were all oozy and indulgent and Mm. they they were cookies and brownies and they had it's quite hard to explain but they they had like just looked tasty they just looked really like uh, really delicious really indulgent as well Mm. and a very clear market like they weren't the kind of thing I would give to you as quite a health nut Right. You know, and that's not saying that they were bad because I would absolutely give them to one of my 14-year-old boy's friends. Mm. But for me, they they had a really clear space in the market. So they they're selling them at the moment by post and at places like the Good Food Show. And obviously at the Good Food Show, the brand is irrelevant because you're mm. you've got a captive audience of people that are hungry. If you see those delicious looking things you're going to buy them whereas when you're sending them by post actually the brand is everything because this is you know this is a gifting experience it's saying a lot about you and the business and you and yourself and I guess what I pick to send Jasper's friends or you know my nieces as they get older says a lot about me and how I feel about them and what I you know what I feel that they like and I know I overthink this stuff because I love buying presents but I think subconsciously lots of us do this stuff Mm. so I guess the first red flag was this sense of uncertainty you know if if you've had your brand done and it's right and it's working for you 
a couple of years on, unless you've dramatically shifted direction, you should still feel quite confident and quite certain in your brand. Yeah. The next red flag was that they'd had this done about two and a half years ago and they hadn't yet printed the packaging. Ah. So that is always a red flag, isn't it? Because if you don't mm. feel confident enough to commit money-wise to the packaging, that that tells me quite a lot. And then the next thing was got this beautifully printed document that the designers had given her um, that sort of walked them through the strategy and the the designs. And she was saying, I know it's not quite right, but I don't want to throw it all away. And just mm-hmm. as a just as a brief aside, don't let me go off too much of a tangent on this, but as a brief aside, that's a little bit like saying to an interior designer, I want a really calm and relaxing living room, but we've just bought a red velvet sofa and we need to to stick with it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. you've got to go all in if you're going to do it. Um, but the big red flag for me was when they were talking, I think they called it brand character, but whether it's essence of the brand or feeling of the brand or whatever, mm. hard working was in there. And I was like, interesting. Back That's it up. <laughs> yeah. What does hardworking, what remote relevance does hardworking have to someone that is sending a box of indulgent brownies Mm. to a teenage boy, for argument's sake? Yeah, not so much. So then we dug into it a bit more. And, you know, I was saying, well, who are your clients? And she was saying, well, they're 35 to 45 year old women. And I was thinking, well, are they really are they actually or are those 35 to 45 year old women the people that are buying but that's not the end user yes and then what kind of experience do we want to create and I was sort of backtracking and I was saying to her so what what is it that sets you apart and what makes you different and and who else you know so we're not just looking at other people that sell foodie gift experiences we might be so we might be looking at I could I could send biscuitiers, but realistically, and I do send biscuitiers, which are those very quirky, beautiful iced biscuits, yeah. but that's a different recipient. So totally. same customer, yeah. different recipient. Yes. So yes. what is it about? And this is why I can't give you a process. I just mm. want this to be an exploration and a, a thinking point, I guess, is who would I send a box of really oozy, indulgent salted caramel brownies too that you know some of them have kind not kinder eggs because that wouldn't work with it with plastic in them. <laughs> nice <laughs> um, but I think some of them had cream eggs in them maybe or the caramel eggs or whatever they were really they were really cool and they were really indulgent but most and I'm generalizing here but most of the 35 to 45 year old women I know don't really eat like that mm. so it might be to them but it's more likely to be teenagers 20 year olds not the clean eating brigade but you know so you you want to be thinking about the demographic and then well what's going to appeal to them one of the things that we were talking about was the big brands say like millie's cookies those are mass produced in a factory whereas this brand is they are made in a factory but they use artisan methods they don't use any Oh, I'm saying they don't use any chemicals. I guess if it or processed stuff. I mean, I guess if you're putting a cream egg in there, there's an element of processed. 
stuff. But I think the ingredients that go in these brownies reflect the kind of things that were I to make a cream egg brownie at home, Mm. it would be the same stuff that I would have in my pantry. Mm, So that's speaking to a certain demographic of purchaser, not necessarily recipient, but that Mm. says something about me and what I value in life, but also how much I value the person that I'm sending it to, because these won't be the cheapest way of sending brownies. Yeah. And then if we're serious about this as a brand and we want it to take off and, and we want to do more than, say, brownies that you might buy through Etsy, then we need a really compelling gifting experience and then we need beautiful packaging and we need a website that's really, you know, so it it kind of goes on. But I didn't know what the answer was because it's complex and yeah. it's detailed and it's not the kind of thing I can sort out in 20 minutes at a workshop. Mm. But I knew that what had been created wasn't speaking to any of those opportunities or any of those markers I knew that in this case flavor would be really important Mm. artisanship would be really important that doesn't mean it's all stripped back and quiet because that wouldn't be right for the teenage boys that are going to be receiving it so there's lots of stuff going through my mind and with that brand I don't have clarity for it but I know Mm -hmm. some of the things we need to be thinking about and the big red flag for me is the client instinctively knows it's not right yeah but also Yes, the entrepreneur behind the business is hardworking, but that doesn't have relevance to how the brand needs to come across. And I guess that's what's exciting for me and in this podcast for us to explore is like, how do we know that's not relevant? Because actually, what I was saying to the client was having just been through a build, having just had builders rock up at nine, go off to get bits for two hours and then pack up their stuff at two o'clock. If I was branding a building company who genuinely were hardworking, that would be front and centre. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So there is no hard and fast rule. And that's I think that's what makes my job exciting. Yeah, definitely. So let's dig in maybe then to the specifics of, of that essence and those value pieces. When you're sifting through that, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm just trying to find something that all comes together, I think. Mm. there's all these bits floating around yeah and it will always be different but I'm always looking and I've said this before but you you get this I get this sense of frustration and then suddenly it all clicks into place Mm. and I have clarity yeah so it's a visceral feeling yeah always and and that goes right back to when I had the design agency and I would be training my account managers and I'd be saying you know if you're taking a brief from someone you're suddenly just going to know. You don't need to know what font we're going to use. You don't need to know what colors we're going to use, but you're going to just, I mean, it's resonance, what we've now defined as resonance, but you're suddenly going to have a sense of resonance. Yeah. Yeah. And that certainly rings true for me with any of my clients when we hit on the right name Mm. or when we hit on the right purpose. Yeah. It just, it just feels. Yeah. 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 Totally. And that, interestingly, is what you get with a lot of the companies that have been branded really well by the big agencies. Mm. You get that clear sense of resonance. It feels really compelling. So it's you're following it through with the creative, but if you don't have that clarity in the first place, Mm. it's it's just not going to strike the right chord. It's not going to hit the right note. It's not going to land. 
yeah. in the way that it might. And there's a lot of information that we could, that could be piled on us to sift through, isn't it? How much yeah. do you really need to know? Well, if we flip that to the designers, because ultimately they're the, well, there's two elements, isn't there? We've got to think about the designers that are executing this and need to bring flair, but also you as an entrepreneur, as, as you navigate writing your website or how to connect through your email newsletter, you need to know what sets you apart, right? You need to yeah. know what it is that people are going to find irresistible about you. From a designer's point of view, and I see this so much, is we we get embroiled in this idea that for something to be credible, we have to have ticked a number of boxes. Mm. And I find, in fact, I almost consistently find that when we do that, it gets in the way of clarity. Right. So, you know, we've talked before about the cushion company that was inspired by the ballroom dancing mm. and the designer was pushing, pushing, pushing for the mission. Mm. But actually the client hadn't thought about a mission. It wasn't front and center of what she was doing. She was inspired by the dynamism and the energy of ballroom dancing. Mm. She translated that in a really beautiful way to these show-stopping cushions. That was all we needed to know. Yeah, and this for me is like having, you know, obviously not worked with as many designers as you, but in the times that I have is where I find it really tricky helping a client navigate a questionnaire that they've been, a generic questionnaire yeah. that they've been sent through by a designer that will have the same questions for every yeah. person. And I get the need to create a process that's replicable to mm -hmm. cover all the bases. But if you're going to elicit 10 pages of information from your client, you've then got to be able to, you know, weed that out. I mean, that we've so got to come back to this. That's another story for another day. But I passionately believe we talked about this in Elevate last week and we kind of landed on that whilst I don't do it, sending a workbook to help people prepare. I think mm. I'm quite in the moment <laughs> in my thinking and I can draw on stuff quickly. Um, it's not something I feel I need my clients to prepare for, but mm. sending a questionnaire or I prefer to call it a workbook is not a terrible idea. That no. if you've got someone that processes things in a slower way that can really help them focus that stuff through. But mm. I don't think it should ever be presented back in written form. I think you need to have a conversation you yeah. need to unpack some stuff. You need to dismiss is the wrong word, but the bottom line is these questionnaires often end up being 10 pages by the time they're filled out. You cannot create a brief that answers all those points. You have yeah. to distill it down you have to find clarity and you have to do that in a way that takes that context into account. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what we're never saying is pluck three words out of thin air and, and go for those. No, there is yeah. a process to this and it's a distillation. I mean, there's no accident that I've used language like essence because it's almost it's a distillation it's a stock isn't it almost yeah. boiling that down to what matters the most and what matters the most will vary depending on the market the muses the competition what's going on in the world at the moment mm -hmm. and can we dig in a little bit to muses because this is where a lot of clients get hung up and people, I mean, it's why we did one of the early episodes, yeah. isn't it? Because people really struggle to find their muses. And when it comes to 
clarity. It's essential, isn't it? Yeah. And again, I've got another example of, actually, it's the same client who has two businesses. So mm. she, she, um, she does female leadership coaching and empowering women in the workplace. So that's mm. one company. And then the other company, which we're just developing now, well, we're developing the brand for it now. The company's been going for a long time. Mm. Um, that latter branding is absolutely defined by the muse that we want to attract. Right. So the first company is all about female empowerment, female leadership. And we are absolutely both of the mindset that you don't need to become a man to get on in the workplace. So mm. the the brand isn't isn't girly, but it is absolutely unashamedly feminine. And there are mm. flowers in the photography and it's quite refined and quite elegant and and really, really beautiful. And it really mm. speaks to that younger demographic. It's also a real really strong representation of Sarah and everything that she stands for in all her inspirationalness and her clarity, but also the grit and experience mm. that she brings. So she's got, I don't know, 25 years at PwC. She knows her shizzle. Mm. And then her new brand that we're working on at the moment, which is really exciting, is speaking to the alpha male cynic. <laughs> and that is absolutely not a manifestation of Sarah. Mm. So this brand needs to be much more, it needs much more masculine energy. That doesn't mean it's going to look masculine, but it's certainly not going to look feminine. Right. There will be no flowers in the photographs. Mm. It will be an off black and an off white. Mm. It's going to have a lot more strength and dynamism. And if I'm honest, it's not going to reflect Sarah and everything she is as a person, but will absolutely reflect the caliber of what she's delivering mm. and the audience that she's already attracting. Yeah. We're not kind of punching above our weight. We're not pitching it, hopefully, that, you know, this, this might come off. This is absolutely based on what she's already doing and just mm. branding it in a more I don't want to say credible way because the other brand is absolutely credible for the market that she's at but mm. but the market that we're branding over here well they don't want flowers that that's gonna I mean they are a great example of why the other company exists right mm. yeah yeah right <laughs> <laughs> ah, well we've got to do one on patriarchy that's <laughs> for another time yeah, so then the muses lead in that instance. In that instance, yeah. but not always. And there's a reason why when I work with clients on Clarity or you work through my Brand Clarity course, who is going to value your magic comes after what the magic is and not before. Yes. Because too often we we look at our client base and we look at the people that spend the most money and we go, well, those are our top clients, therefore we start there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big red flag for me as well, particularly that, you know, who's going to spend the most money and that assumption sometimes underneath that, well, no one else would buy it. But yeah. if you've got a brand that's doing its job well, then yeah. those people for whom it's meant will sit up yeah. and take notice. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. So is there anything we haven't touched on that you think either trips people up or is something that we really need to be considering 
that we just might not otherwise think about when it comes to clarity? Well, I think the big thing is that you want to be very wary of ticking boxes or filling in blanks that don't resonate. Mm. You know, so if you're finding it really hard to articulate what the mission is because the template that you've downloaded has a page that says our mission or our vision or our purpose or our values. Like Mm. if they aren't front and center, it might be because they're not front and center of what's important to you about the way you run your business and Mm. what your clients value. Now that's not to say that you shouldn't think about them, Mm. but I think we, we get so drawn into this sort of, this is what branding is and this is what it should be. And these are the boxes and the hoops that we need to jump through that we lose sight of the fact that all we are trying to do is create something utterly, all we're trying to do, <laughs> just this simple thing is create something utterly show-stopping mm. that puts us in the best possible light and connects with the right people. Yeah. Anything superfluous to that needs to go. Yeah. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that clarity is essential, but it's really not easy to come by. And there's a lot of thrashing out and there's stuff you need to be considering and there's there's an intuitive piece in there. So what's the advice to entrepreneurs in navigating this stuff? I think just keep coming back and I know I know part of this is is in within clarity, but keep coming back to what matters to you about where your business is going, who you want to be working with, how you want to be working, what sets you apart. You know, if you know what your space is, and and again, I get that all of this is part of the clarity process, but for Mm. some of you, your vision will be everything. For some of you, your values will be everything. For some of you, your aesthetic will be everything. So for example, I wouldn't be asking you to define your aesthetic that would be ludicrous as a coach, but like it's not relevant. So mm. it's it's really challenging those assumptions, I think, about, well, how are things done and what matters and, and what's really speaking to me. So for you, values, purpose are really resonant with how you do business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and my approach and the specific types of people over the years that I'm now really drawn to working with, you know, because that approach and that skill set could map across any number of muses, but I've honed that over the years. And I know the people who really, really get me and the people who light me up in my work as well. It doesn't mean I couldn't take that exact same process and approach and plonk it into another set of muses, but that's a subtlety of choice. And we can get to that over time as well, can't we? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I suppose the only other thing to just think about is that your competitors will shed some real light on what matters and what doesn't and what, you know, because it's not about looking like them, being like them. It's actually about making yourself distinctive from them. So this whole piece is about being distinctive. So hold on to that. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so excited to hear how you get on with it. Thank you so much for tuning in to Style and Substance. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. 
We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe, as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.